In this episode, I interview Elena Besser, a Brooklyn-based, Chicago-bred chef and TV host. She hosts live cooking classes on Food Network Kitchen and can be seen on the cooking channel's Best Thing I Ever Ate, as well as Food Network's Beat Bobby Flay. She firmly believes food and entertainment should be intertwined and makes some really strong points behind this. Um, Just in the way that Elena describes food and her dishes, it made me so hungry. I ran out to our office kitchen directly after we finished this podcast so I could go devour my lunch early. I can't explain exactly what she did, but it was insane and it worked, right? She's also a host of the new show, Breakfast with Besser, a celebrity cooking show where she chats with celebrity guests, including some of Hollywood's hungriest stars, as she guides them in cooking breakfast dishes specifically crafted for them. Elena's passion for spreading accessible and exciting cooking and culinary tips to others shines through everything she does. It's pretty incredible. You know, we had such a great conversation and there's so much value punched into this episode. So let's get straight into it. Hi, my name is Brett Linkletter, CEO and founder of Misfit Media, the best damn restaurant marketing agency on the planet. Here at Misfit, we help restaurant owners grow and scale their business through strategic online marketing practices. Right now, you're listening to our podcast, Restaurant Misfits, where we'll discuss all things related to restaurant marketing, management, and everything else in between growing a restaurant business. This podcast is also brought to you in collaboration with Total Food Service. For over 30 years, Total Food Service has provided the restaurant and food service industry with exclusive interviews to the latest news on products, trends, associations, and events. You can sign up for a free monthly subscription by visiting TotalFood.com today. And from all the misfits over here, we hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Elena, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, it seems like in the restaurant space in general, people are a lot happier. The morals a little better. Uh, things are opening up a little bit more, which is great. Um, but how are things for you? You have such an interesting background. Uh, you're a chef, a producer, uh, a, basically a TV personality, it looks like. Um, what's going on with you? Oh, man, many a things. I would say that um, the latest happenings is that my new um, show just came out on Food Network Kitchen. It yep. is called Breakfast with Besser. It is um, a celebrity talk show meets cooking show where I invite some of Hollywood's hungriest stars into the Breakfast with Besser kitchen. I grill them with questions and then we go into the kitchen and they create a dish that I have crafted specifically for them. It's all breakfast themed. Wow. Breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. Um, so we filmed that. Uh, actually in August and it came out in October and it's available on the Food Network Kitchen app, six episodes, Broadway stars, cast members from SNL, the list goes on. Wow. That's amazing. And just out of curiosity, I mean, so they, it's all breakfast with these celebrities. What kind of, um, what kind of breakfast do these celebrities like making the most or what do they enjoy? Oh, man. So we do a ton of research on every single guest um, before they arrive on set. And mm-hmm. of course, I created all of the recipes um, for the guests. So a lot of the research, we would figure out what the guests dietary restrictions, allergies, what they love, what they don't love, and then essentially, cr- we crafted dishes for them. So for example, one of the guests on the show is um, Chris Red from SNL, and he okay. is an actor, former rapper. He actually does a lot of the like songs. He writes and produces a lot of the songs that are on SNL. Nice. Um, he just did the stroll into the polls one, which was hilarious. And um, he's from Chicago. He, in the past, has gone on a whole twitter rant about how he loves biscuits but they can't be dusty so what we did is we created a chicago style breakfast biscuit sandwich for him so that is a homemade buttermilk biscuit with white onion poppy seeds and sport peppers um, which is like a similar heat level to a serrano pepper and then um, hot dogs 
We did celery salt, soft scrambled eggs, tomato, relish and mustard sauce. And am I missing it? And pickles. Wow. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, any, from doing all of this, have you noticed any kind of trends in, in food? I mean, like what people are most attracted to, like, I mean, more specifically, I guess in the celebrity scene, because oftentimes, obviously, right. What celebrities are doing, other people follow. Are you seeing any kind of food trends that you're doing or is everyone kind of different? Oh man. I mean, it's really tough. I would say that a lot of the time people, whenever I'm approaching a recipe, I always try to think about nostalgia um yep and what is going to be really approachable i think that um a lot of the time people find inspiration with recipes through those two things and even though i'm a nerd that like loves the science of food and would spend hours prepping a dish i find that a lot of the people that are looking on food network and other places to cook Mm -hmm. a recipe want something that's easy, that has a lot of flavor, that doesn't require a ton of work. So I always try to find the balance between the two. I would say from like a trend standpoint, yes, there were moments of like, okay, recreations of nostalgic foods, recreations of um, rainbow foods was a big thing at one point. Um, But I will say that as time has gone on, I find that people are caring less and less about the like food trendy moments. Mm. And they're caring more about um, stuff that like actually tastes good that isn't too difficult to make. Got it. Um, What do you mean by that, by the way, of making food with nostalgia? Like what are nostalgic foods? Oh, nostalgic foods. I would say, uh, well, there are certain things that people, for example, my, um, one of my most popular recipes is actually a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No way. Yeah, it's really weird. The reason why is because um, I put it on potato bread to start. And then I do peanut butter, raspberry jam, homemade raspberry jam. And then I'll put sumac on top of it and flaky sea salt. Got it. And so half my family lives in Israel. So a lot of the cuisine that I prepare is Middle Eastern inspired. Nice. Um, And sumac has this like amazing tangy note that is really reminiscent of lemons. Uh, And it has this great acidity to it. So it really brings out and balances those floral notes and fruity notes within the jam. Got it. Um, but those are the kinds of things where it's like, okay, what is something that you enjoyed as a kid that you loved that has a creative twist that is not too complicated, um, but simultaneously feels delicious and different and kind of fancy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Man, the PB&J, I mean, that is... Uh... That is the, I, I miss PB and J. Yeah. Don't sleep on the PB and J. Seriously. Um, any, any others that you've seen come up quite a bit other than the PB and J? Oh man. From like a popular, from my own recipes that have become popular. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Hmm. I mean, I'll tell, I'll tell you in LA, it seems like every single person wants that uh, avocado toast. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. A little too Are much. You based in LA? We're based in LA. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I'm in LA right now. Oh, I, I live in Venice Beach. Oh, yeah. Gorgine. It's freezing here. It's warmer in New York than it is in LA. Yeah. It's kind of weird. That's what I heard from some of our clients in New York. It, it's um, really weird. You know, what's funny about Californians too, is it can be raining just a little bit or a little bit of wind and everyone's panicking. But then yeah. there's going to be an earthquake and nobody gives a shit. Right. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. It's so interesting. Um, but yeah, any, any other kind of dishes that you've come, that seem to come up that, that just keep coming around? The only reason I ask is because, you know, oftentimes yeah, rest, restaurants, you know, especially they're, they're trying to capitalize on these next food trends, right? Uh, I spoke to a chef last week. Uh, his name's Steven Yen. He's the, one of the executive chefs at Tao Group. And they're always okay. looking at the food groups and they're always food trends. And, and um, what's interesting about what he told me too is, is they're also looking into foods that they're going to get social engagement, right? So he was saying, you know, a big thing for him was 
how can we create something that is delicious, but also looks so good that you, that you got to post it on Instagram because for them, right, that's a huge, huge way of, of marketing their brand, right? Through other people's social content. And I'm assuming for you, obviously as an entertainer and being in the space and I mean, you are a food personality and in everything you do. So all your foods must be beautiful as well. I'm, I'm assuming to look at on camera, right? I try to, I try to, I mean, my background is I actually, the first job I ever had in the food space is that I started the video department for a company called Spoon University mm. that was eventually acquired by the Food Network. Um, and we did a lot, of, it was right at the beginning of the food video movement. So we launched right before Tasty even launched their like hands and pans videos. Wow. And um, a lot of the work that we did was <laughs> analysis on like what would be trending and what people loved. And it is true. You really do eat with your eyes first and people have so much more fun diving into an experience that is visually stunning and simultaneously tastes really great and is well executed. So it does make a lot of sense that you had this conversation um, with that chef because the truth <laughs> is like to this day, even so like I, when people go, we are such a visual generation and when people are going to a restaurant or making that reservation, they typically go to Instagram or go to their resi page and look at the food photos so they know in advance what dish is going to be coming to their table so they're not disappointed. And I would say as far as trends are concerned, definitely, I mean, there's like the classic idea of, okay, what is, is it really colorful? Is there an egg yolk? Is there an oozing thing, a dripping thing, a cheese pull? Those are all the things that people get really hyped on. Um, yes. I would say there definitely was a moment where like decadence was huge. I mean, think back to the black, black tap crazy milkshake trend that used to happen. Um, but I think today and with the foods that I create, I always try to make sure that they are really visually pleasing. I think that um, there are having great ingredients first and foremost is really the key to any amazing dish. But mm -hmm. um, when it comes, I feel like, you know, everything bagel spice is a thing. People love seeing like black and white sesames, tahini paste things, um, stuff that is bright green. Um, I yep. used to cook at a restaurant called Lilia. And while I was there, one of the things that became really popular on the menu, aside from the sheep's milk annulotti, I would say the three things that were really popular were the malfaldini, which is the pink peppercorn pasta that looks like spaghetti and lasagna noodles had a baby um having those really beautiful ridges on that pasta mixed with the sauce actually being almost a pink color because of the pink peppercorn was a massive hit and then simultaneously the annulotti has this beautiful yellow color because it has saffron infused into it and then these bright red sun-dried san marzano tomatoes and the third thing that was really popular was the house focaccia with the um, bright green garlic or ram butter and having stuff that is super vibrant, uh, really pops, makes you stop in your tracks. Those are the things that are going to be the most trendy, if you will. Um, yes, wow. the avocado toast, it will survive forever. It will always <laughs> yeah. be um, The matcha stuff has been, had a huge moment. I personally am feeling very happy that I think the like aggressive food trends have kind of calmed down a bit because mm. I, there's nothing worse than chasing a trend and having the dish itself actually tastes like shit um, just yep. for the sake of the trend. Like for me, I really have trouble creating foods that have tons of fake food coloring in them and all of those types of things that I I'm really trying to move past that because at the end of the day, I think, you know, let's eat what nature has given us. We've been so disrespectful to mother nature already. Let's try to, you know, undo some of that. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Got it. Do you, um, do you, do a lot of the celebrities you cook for the eight, any any specific real diets that you're seeing more common like i mean going back to la right it seems like every other day there's another girl that goes vegan right yeah <laughs> it's like I hear you. 
I mean, is, is, is that something you're seeing from your end or people more interested in, in, you know, meat alternatives or going more vegetarian? I mean, there's definitely stuff that involves like people being, I've come across vegans. I come across a lot of gluten-free, a lot of, um, paleo as well. I mean, Andre de Shields, one of our guests, he's um, an Oscar away from an EGOT. He was the original whiz in the whiz on Broadway. Um, Mm. and he, is paleo so for the dish that we created for him we made sure that it was all of his favorite things we actually made a breakfast salad for him which was really fun um with beet cured smoked salmon uh beet cured salmon avocado fennel a dijon vinaigrette and some toasted macadamia nuts which was really fun um and he absolutely loved that because the dude eats one meal a day which is wild but he also like is a 74 year old man and straight up acts like a 20 year old which maybe i should only eat one meal a day and maybe i should become paleo and only eat those foods that we put in the salad um but yeah i mean leah delaria she is she has some dietary restrictions as well um so she's a diabetic so we made sure that we didn't have anything that had too much we actually did a carb-free eggs benedict for her um which was cool and we did like a fake, uh, fake it till you make it hollandaise sauce and cream spinach as well Very cool. um, and homemade pork sausage for her. But yeah, I mean, I think in general, like for me, I am a very, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not vegan. My sister's vegetarian. I love dairy. I'm from the Midwest. My dad's from Wisconsin. Like cheese is my favorite food. Uh, So I'm really of the mindset of make sure that whatever you're eating is really great quality, that you don't consume, that all of the meat that I consume is ethically sourced. Um, and ethically killed for the most part, however ethical killing an animal. <laughs> Elena, you by, know what I mean. By, by the way, well, I'm the exact same way. I, I anything you put in front of me. Um, <laughs> but what I will say, the, the way that you just describe food in general is so beautiful. Like seriously, <laughs> sweet sir, thank no. you. <laughs> no, seriously, it's it's almost like. Man, I feel like you could you could train like a huge list of employees at some giant restaurant corporation on how to just describe their food better. I mean, because that's where the sale is made, right? All these servers when they're when they're describing. I mean, I I, I was at dinner last night at a place in Venice called Wabi, mm-hmm. and I, I was looking at the menu. I was like, everything looks good to me. I mean, what do you? I, think? And the guy's like, well, this is the most popular. I was like, well, you know, what do you like about it? And the guy's like, the, the menu can describe it better. And I was so, no. I was just so turned off by that, you know? And like, I ended up still getting it. And it was really damn good. Wabi's a great place, by the way. If you're in the area, if you want to get something in Venice, you're in the area. Um, but I just, you know, I, I think it's so important to describe these things in such detail, the way you've done it. It's almost like you should do a video on just the way you describe things. It might, even, might even be a subconscious thing, but you're doing... Thank I'm getting you. hungry just hearing you talk about it. That's all I'm I saying. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, my first ever gig in food TV um, was that I booked Best Thing I Ever Ate on Cooking Channel. So that show is all about talking about your favorite mm. dishes at restaurants, how they're prepared, and why you love them. And I mean, I come from a theater background. I studied theater and film at Northwestern. Got it. I right. always had plans to become an actor. And then I absolutely fell in love with cooking and the creativity associated with it and the instant ability to make someone feel joy when you put a dish in front of them, which to be yeah. honest, isn't far away from acting. I mean, acting, you, you do, you perform to make people feel a certain way. Totally. And for me, I loved food because I was like, oh shit, you can both integrate you can make someone feel something, but not only are you engaged in acting, you're engaging, you know, sight, sound. In food, there's touch, there's taste, there's smell. Yes. It's so much more sensory driven. And um, I have a little sister on the autism spectrum and sensory based experiences and senses. Her senses are totally different the way she experiences them. And that's typical for people on the autism spectrum. Got it. Um, So for me, I don't know. I just have this passion around engaging senses and also their 
then thinking about how every single sense interacts with food. And I try to describe food through that way, if that makes any sense. Is That's it, a long-winded answer, but. No, is it weird you know, that even when you're describing how you describe food, it's making me hungry? You sweet, sir. I mean, <laughs> thank you so much. Seriously. No, but there's also something about like, you know, you have a lot, you, you made some really good points here though, about like specifically the entire experience, not just about, Hey, the food's on your plate and there you go. But w- walking into, let's say a restaurant, just the way the food is described to you, the way that it's displayed, the way that it looks, the way that it tastes, the way that you leave. I mean, I'm getting hungry listening to you talk about this and whatever I eat next is probably going to taste a little bit better because I'm, I'm ready to eat now. Right. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people, a lot of restaurants specifically that, you know, that we work with or talk with, I think they forget these things, right? They, you know, we hear restaurants say all the time, you know, great food and service is all you need, but, but really what does that mean? Like, okay, great food, obvious one, food's got to taste good, but right. what about this? What about the service behind it? What about the service before and after your meal? What, what you know, what happens during the meal? I mean, um, all kinds of things. Right. And I, and I think people forget these things, but seriously, I think if you got a video on this explaining how you explain food, that, that might be something pretty cool. Um, how did you, so you, okay. So you started as an actress in the entertainment space. Now you're doing this. How did, why food? Why did you jump into it? Well, when I was really little, um, my mom, my whole family always used to say, Elena, she just loves to eat. Like she is so into eating. She's such a good eater. There are so many photos of me as a kid. Like one of my favorite ones is my family would go to the Wisconsin Walworth County State Fair every year. Mm -hmm. And there is a picture of me sitting in a stroller with a giant dill pickle and my hands are too small to wrap around the perimeter of the pickle. And I'm like taking a bite out of it. (laughs) Um, So I always loved eating growing up. Um, It was a big part of everything that I did. I mean, I'm a middle child. I'm one of five. We have a huge family and um, anytime our family would get together, it would always be about food. And I mean, my family's definitely like Midwestern meat and potatoes. Like when I think about quintessential meals, it was Mm. barbecued chicken with corn and a salad with Italian dressing from a bottle and, um, you know, mac and i joke that at my upbringing, I was 80% Mac and craft Mac and cheese. Um, a lot of just like standard bologna sandwiches with American cheese on white bread with mayo, like a lot of standard classic American classics. (laughs) Um, but I think that as I got older and the more that I delved into performance and acting, the more I realized that like, I knew I I knew I was good at acting. I knew that I had a lot to offer, but I didn't want to wait around for someone to pick me. Mm. And I didn't want to spend my life just waiting for someone to say yes. And at the end of the day, all you really need is one yes to get to where you want to go. You just need that one yes to open the door. And so when I went to college and got my first apartment there, I just started, I had to kit my first kitchen. So I started making meals and making meals for my roommates and for my friends and hosting dinners and like loving the experience around it. And then at the same time, a lot of the theater I was doing was experiential theater. So immersive theater, similar to sleep no more. Uh, that was very, um, and sleep no more for those of you that don't know is, um, an interactive, like very sensory driven theatrical experience. And it, Uh, It takes place in New York City in this like amazing hotel on multiple floors and like you're interacting in this everyone's given a mask Mm. and you're interacting in the set with the actors there are some one-on-one experiences but it's like a totally different way to see live theater and performance Um, and I do really feel that food and performance are so intertwined in so many ways And I started realizing, okay, well, I have this on-camera experience. I love performing. I love eating. I love entertaining. Oh, shit. Maybe I should follow this because instead of studying my lines for the play and spending my time doing that, I'm spending my time in the kitchen making recipes and cooking and doing all sorts of things. I mean, one summer I was home, um, or no, it wasn't even a summer. It was a holiday break. 
and I turned on the Food Network and I remember seeing Ina Garden make this like cookie recipe. And I was like, you know what? That seems pretty easy. I could probably do that. So I got into the kitchen and I baked these cookies. And then the next thing I know, I'm looking up all sorts of other cookie recipes. And the next thing I know, I have five cookie recipes that I want to bake. And then my mom came home like three hours later in the kitchen. I'm straight up not kidding you was filled with dozens of cookies all different kinds and she's like what the hell are you doing I'm like I don't know I couldn't decide they're so fun to make like oh and born from that was my first show called make it into a cookie where I would turn my favorite foods into cookies um and that was on the Spoon University YouTube channel it's actually still there if you want to look at it and being able to be creative through food and also um you know still be myself be perform for people but at the end of the day everyone's eating something delicious uh that's kind of long story short um where it all began no that is amazing that makes so much sense (laughs) it's a good lesson in like following your passion i think that a lot of people feel like oh my god because my whole family when i told my parents i wanted to go to culinary school and work in a restaurant they were like you're supposed to be an actor we, you went to college and studied theater and film. What are you doing? Um, And they didn't really get it. But, and a lot of people in your life, if you're passionate about something, they may not get it. But if you continue to follow it and you really believe in yourself and know that you have the potential, if you have the credentials to get to that point, then there's nothing that can stop you. Well, it sounds like you, you just, you, you look at food and life around food through a different lens than most people in general. It sounds like, right? I try, to. I try to. No, you, you do. You do. You absolutely do. I don't think it's a try at all. And, and <laughs> but I think, I think that's so important, right? I, I mean, like you can look, you can look at a burger, like that's just a burger, or you can look at the experience around the burger, what, what makes that burger exciting, this and that, whatever. And you definitely do that. Um, what about so when, it, when it comes to entertainment around food and maybe like creating content around food? You said that you were one of the first really to create these like really viral food videos, which I'll tell you as an agency, we used to create all those things also way back in the day and they worked. I mean, people like seeing food get made. Like it's just, it's eye-catching, it's food porn. Yes. It, it looks fun. It, it makes you hungry. Um, we had a formula that we kind of use on, on every video. Did you have any kind of formula you use or did you kind of just you know, go for it each time or what, how did you go approach some of these videos? Just kind of curious. Yeah. I mean, so the Spoon University model was really interesting because essentially it was, um, it started out as a magazine on Mm. campus at Northwestern, a print food magazine. Um, and then they launched a whole website and they launched it over like 200 campuses around the world. Um, but the whole idea is that it was student generated content. Um, so when they were realizing that video was a really important part of, you know, Matt, like putting their sticks in the ground to become something legit, they, um, I previously, like my first gig that I ever booked was, um, I did entertainment news reporting for this website called celebtv.com. Um, so I really understood the production side of things and on camera and like short form video content. Got it. Um, And so with the strategy behind everything, the way that we did it is we thought, okay, like when you come up with a recipe, first of all, let's make sure that it is accessible to college students. So part of it could be you use pre-made pie dough, you use store-bought this. That's the first thing. The second thing is what are the most important moments with moments within the recipe that people are going to want to see? So you don't need to watch if you're making, you know, mini pies, you don't need to see all of the mini pies being made. You only need to see one of them being made. And then you can do a creative moment where they come onto the camera, uh, where all the finished ones come onto the camera. So our recipe, if you will, for those videos was figuring out, okay, what is the recipe in the first place that people are going to like? And a lot of that was like, aggressive spreadsheeting of looking at all of our competitors, their most viewed videos, what trends we were seeing within that, what commonalities people had based off of the success of each video. 
and how can we integrate that into our own? I think that the hardest piece of the puzzle throughout all of it was getting consistency because um, we pr- I produce 60 videos a month. So it oh was, it was nuts. Um, I managed a team of 50 students and we released two new videos a day. So, Oh my God. The, the ex the explaining of like, all right, make sure you have natural light and you're near a window and it's not direct light. Make sure that here's a 45 degree angle. Here's an overhead angle, have a clean surface. Like don't have a reflective. Like we had to explain so much. Do you have this? Do you have video footage of this? You've explaining these things. Um, we actually created like a full class that we that was like a video class that we sent out to everyone. I don't even, I'm not sure where it is. It's probably like on private on the Spoon University YouTube channel, but Oh my God. We eventually got to a point where we, yeah, we decided to film a whole class around it. Is there any way (laughs) that I can get that video? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I'll tell you this. So we actually just did a little, I did a little tutorial video on how to create, great looking food content, mostly just photography, just using, mm-hmm. you know, a standard iPhone, whatever, mm-hmm. right. Or Android. And uh, the reason we did it is because there's, I mean, right now I believe we're with about 150 restaurant concepts. I mean, we, we've done hundreds over, over 500 concepts at this point. And um, the biggest pain point for all these people is, is food content. So as advertisers, right. We're creating everything for our clients as far as the ad copy, the marketing automation, follow-up series, these kinds of things. But the one thing that we need from our clients in order to run our campaigns is, is great looking content. And it, it, it always shocks me and all my employees about how difficult it is for some people to get a decent looking photo of whatever it is. I mean, like, I, I should almost create a library of all the terrible pieces of content our clients have sent us as a joke. I hate to say that I'm not surprised at all. It's Um, it's totally a pain point. I mean, it is. I mean, what you should probably do is you should just like hit up as many. I mean, there's a, an endless amount of food photographers that exist. And if I were you, I would create like a, you know, a network of food photographers that you offer a specific rate for yep. a package of food of food video and photo content that they will create for your clients um just so that you have consistently solid great work for people because it is true like if your stuff sucks no one's gonna it, the, the space is far too competitive plus totally the combination of covid and just everything being well so- here's always been my my philosophy on on great looking food content it does two things for your business one, if they see it online, it gets them in the door for the first time. It does the marketing. And then uh, the second half of the marketing is when someone's in the store and then now posts to their, their fans. So it's, it's the marketing and it's the sales. Or the other thing too you want to think about is like, let's just say uh, you have a customer base coming in that doesn't speak perfect English and maybe they can't understand your menu, but they can look at your Instagram and they say, it can point around and say, that looks really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or obviously, of course, with... Uh, since COVID, right? It's because of all that's happening and, and hey, people are ordering in, in home, right? They're ordering delivery or doing takeout. People make decisions, like you said, with their eyes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh God, like it's the, the, the amount of, the amount of attention that this gets blows my mind. The, the little amount of attention it gets where it, it really deserves a lot more. But speaking of COVID, so you... Um, talk to us about the, the lineup. Cause I know that it's, you guys have, what is it? A new kind of a cookbook that's, well, just tell us more about that. I mean, that, that yeah, sounds like totally. something relevant for the moment, right? Yeah. So, um, I were, I used to cook in, um, I went to, after Spoon, I left and went to culinary school and then cooked, um, at a restaurant called Lilia, um, for a while and really learned a ton there. I think it's really important for everyone to work in the restaurant industry if they want to work in the food world. Um, But while I was there, I learned a lot, of course, from the executive chefs, but I also learned a massive amount from all of the line cooks. And it 
in the hierarchy of a restaurant, it takes a really long time to be able to become an executive chef. And um, it requires investors, it requires uh, coming up with a concept, having the money and time to develop a menu and, and all that, all that jazz. So um, when I left the industry, I realized that there is a massive need for providing these cooks with a platform to showcase their concepts. And um, that is kind of how the lineup was born. So the lineup is, it started as a dinner series where we highlight the top cooks working the line at the best restaurants in America. And we let them be executive chef for the night. So we will give them all of the support of helping them do the menu concepting, uh, helping them curate what the dinner is going to look like, what the table settings will be, um, how many courses it's going to be, wine pairings, specialty cocktails, the whole thing. And then we will um, essentially create the ticketing process, sell the tickets, do pretty much everything you could want. Um, and so right before COVID, we launched the series and we had our first dinner and it went so well and everyone loved it. And it was just like cloud nine vibes, like had the time of my life. And I nice. um, basically, the, our team, we have um, a few front of house people. I work directly with the chef to help them with menu planning. And then I'm actually in the kitchen during the dinner helping execute the meal with them. Um, and when COVID hit, it just like completely devastated everyone and all restaurants were shut down and all my friends and people in the industry and line cooks were just so confused because they spent every day waking up early, being on their feet all day, really physically engaged. And then they were just sitting at home, not doing anything. Um, and on top of that, they didn't have their consistent paycheck coming in. So what we decided to do is we decided to create a digital cookbook um, to still highlight these cooks and uh, showcase what dishes they were making at home that were inspired by their restaurants. So we um, have had over 30 chefs, also people, bartenders, all sorts of things, create recipes and we put them all into this digital cookbook called On The Line. Um, and yeah, it's available for sale. 100% of the proceeds um, are divided up amongst the contributing cooks. And then also we've um, donated them to a few restaurant relief funds. So it was really fun to do. It was definitely a labor of love for sure. Any cookbook is, but um, we're really proud of what we created. That's amazing. You said it's a, it's a digital cookbook? Yes. Is there a hard, hard copy version as well? We're trying to figure out logistics of that. It's been a journey um, since we are fully self-funded and all donation-based. Um, putting like the payment down on hardcover is really intense. So we're probably going to start some type of like sign-up situation where we say, okay, here's the timeline. And if you buy a copy or two copies or whatever, it will directly go towards purchasing to make the hardcover happen. Got um, it. And then if we, hopefully we get enough money to... Well, I might have a solution for you. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I actually just released a book recently, and I don't have it on me. Uh, it's called Misfit Marketing for Restaurants, my first book I've ever written. Congrats. All about restaurant marketing. Thank you. It was pain in the ass to write, but so well worth it, right? Um, so cool. But we, uh, we did it through Amazon Web Publishing. Really? And check, the, check this out. It's so amazing. So screw normal publishers. If you can go on the normal route, it's like the worst thing ever. It takes like over a year and is so much money and time is ridiculous. But Amazon web publishing is really cool. So <clears throat> you basically, you create your, your final copy. You, you obviously already have a digital version. So you guys are basically good to go. It sounds like you submit mm -hmm. to Amazon through the Amazon web publishing. Um, no copies are ever printed until an order is made. Straight up. Wow. So someone, so someone makes an order and then they literally print it on the spot and ship it. No it way. Is out it like, hardcover? Yeah, hardcover. Well, ours, ours is paperback, but I'm sure you could. That is I mean, so fancy. <laughs> yeah. Now they do take a percent, right? So I think we sell this for $14.99 and they take like six or seven bucks, right? But hey, 
there's no money down. Fine. Fine. It's, Amazon yeah. Web Printing. That's what it is. Will you send me that? Amazon Web Publishing. But yeah. Publishing. But, yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally, it's, I can't believe it. I mean, it, it makes. It How makes did you coming, hear about it? Just through the interwebs through the of digital marketing people. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to be great for us because it's, it's, it's a way that, so our, our services, it can get, it can get expensive of course. Right. But you know, my, my goal is to help all restaurants and all restaurant owners grow their business. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought, Hey, the, 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 the most affordable way I can help educate people is through a book. Right. Yeah. And then after reading that book, I hope they have some insights that they can take to, to run with, to actually help their business. And if they decide they want to move forward with us, well, they have a lot more information on what we're going to do. From Absolutely. I love that. I you know, think that's a great way to, to live. And I mean, a quote that my grandpa used to say that I really try to, you know, emulate is he used to say, spread the lettuce, it comes back in sandwiches. Mm. So, you know, give and it's very fitting to what I what we both do. Um, if you just give, you know, great advice to people and offer services in some capacity, that energy, you know, is going to come back to you in some way. Totally. hundred percent. No, this, this, this is, yeah. Um, I'm a hundred percent on board with this kind of stuff, by the way. I mean, I, I, I'm reading a book right now. It, it's, it's about, uh, Buddhism and how it applies to business. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. It's called the diamond cutter and, uh, talks about all this stuff. It's, 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 the way that you actually perceive the world and the way that things happen to you are, are, are really like nothing in and itself, any, any experiences, nothing is ever good or bad ever. I mean, even, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, imagine, you know, someone, um, the way you look at things, it becomes good or bad. Right. So like when, when, um, when Hitler died, that was a great thing to happen. We, we didn't want this guy around. This guy's a terrible person. Right. <laughs> But to some people, his family and friends, it was a terrible thing, right. right? So nothing inherently is good or bad from its own side, but your perception of it. And I think, like you said, the act of giving things away changes your perception of things that are good and things come back good to you. And, and, and I love that. I think that's really cool. Great quote. I'm about to use it. Let us one of one of my ads, if you don't mind. Yeah, shout using out. As <laughs> um, so long as you quote. I might have to. I will definitely reach out to you about this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. And, and, um, I mean, just random question, but obviously, you know, a lot of changes here in the food space. Um, what are the changes that you've seen specifically in the food space and, and maybe what are some opportunities that you see in the space? Totally. Um, I think that, yeah, of course, a lot of the changes are, we can't enjoy dining out in the way that we used to. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that that is, of course, so sad. But um, what is interesting about it is that a lot of people are being forced to cook at home and eat at home more than ever. So luckily for people in the food media space, um, it's been a very fruitful experience where people sure. are now taking more time to read about recipes and purchase the cookware. And, you know, I've been speaking to a few different like food product manufacturers and a lot of them are like COVID sucks, but we're very blessed that our business is doing better than ever. Um, so that is an opportunity there. I think there also is a really unique opportunity right now of yes, a lot of restaurants are closing, but as a result, a lot of spaces that are fully set up with kitchens are just sitting there. So people that have maybe been nervous to make that leap to start their own concept, um, it's a great time to do it. And of course, needing to make sure that the seats are full <laughs> are a massive component of it, but maybe even concepting a place or figuring out a way to make it work during COVID times is something that people can definitely attempt to do. Yep. I also think it's been really interesting seeing how restaurants have had to get creative with, you know, selling packaged, creating pantries, selling packaged produce, um, doing grocery delivery services, food delivery services, um, cocktail delivery services. Every restaurant that I know has been like pivoting to putting 
alcohol in like take a bottle of wine to go take a mixed cocktail to go pick up cocktails and drink them outside like there's been this amazing like wave of outdoor drinking and enjoying that's been happening i mean the other day i was right after the election i was in brooklyn and other half brewery just opened i live in williamsburg so i was in domino park Mm-hmm. And other half opened and people were getting beers and drinking them outside. And then this like amazing bus came with like these performers that just like were singing on the roof with like a whole sound system and this <laughs> awesome. big band and people are having beers and dancing and other people are walking down the street with their cocktails from whatever restaurant that gave it to them. And they're like sippy cups. And I think that's just been really interesting seeing this wave of, of food and beverage enjoyment anywhere. Um, And, you know, I hope it sticks around seeing all the, you know, restaurants in New York that are building these like little outdoor spaces. Uh, There's some intense craftsmanship going on. And um, I've seen, yeah, I've seen some of this stuff. It's been wild, but it's fun. It's really fun. It feels very European. So I love it it too. But what what I always laugh about though is like, we have this whole rule of COVID of like, you you can't do indoor dining, but then people are literally creating like these outdoor indoor tents. It's like, what? I know. And that's one of the things that I've been so confused by and also like not thrilled about is some of these places are like, great, we can't, we have to do outdoor dining. So let's essentially create a tiny restaurant that is all closed in where there's zero airflow. And I'm like, how? Yeah. No. And people are going in and they're like, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, no, I'm terrified. Yeah. it's, It's so funny to me. Yeah, people people will find a way to do what they need to you know it's like <laughs> they will that's for sure um yeah but i and i no, but i think to your point about the, the whole like online media space i mean it's been booming obviously and and mm-hmm. we had a, a client actually that was did a really interesting strategy during covid where he was doing these like date night boxes and i think you know for a set price it was uh, you know, it was a date at home. And so they got, you gave two entrees, two appetizers and a dessert for two. And I think it came with a cocktail or a bottle of wine or something too. It was really cool. How the way they put it all together. And then um, it was for pre-orders, right? So you pre-order these, these boxes for two. And then I think it was like five to seven, they do like a zoom happy hour where everyone who got uh, the, the dinner for two got invited to the zoom happy hour and (laughs) with other people and then they also had like a bartender or like uh the wine sommelier or how do you you say it so bad and um talk about what they were eating and drinking and they had the chef come out and talk about the the meal i mean that's fun that's really cool right i love that if the only thing they mess up on is probably having you describe the food though you know (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> but it was it was so cool. I, and I was like, this is such an interesting thing. And people really liked it. I thought, I mean, for me, like, I don't think, I don't think I would join a Zoom happy hour with a bunch of random people, but I don't know. I think a lot of people would, right? I think, yeah. especially during COVID, people, they crave um, social engagement, right? They, they People need that. It's, you know, human nature. God, we want to engage with other people. It is true. It's so sad. I miss it. I look for, I think there's going to be like a crazy, like roaring twenties type experience that happens once it's safe again to, to be outside. And it's going to be a really interesting time for, you know, new emerging talent to come into the culinary space and it'll be really cool. It'll be wild, but we just got to hang in there until then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully it's there soon. There's talks about this vaccine and stuff. So mm-hmm. hopefully Thank we're there. Know. We're almost there. Um, well, Elena, this has been really incredible today. I think, uh, man, I, I would love to somehow see this food content class tutorial you have. If there's right. any, if there's I any way. Pick it up. It's somewhere in the internet. Deep I in could, the internet. I could probably help you sell this, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. If you Thank did you. want to sell it. I have lots of l- lots of, a lot, a lot of people probably listen to this podcast thinking, how, how do I get that? <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about that though. Because that's, that's a big I'm opportunity. For, for there anyone, is, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. 
I was just going to say there's um, a friend of mine, Sarah Crawford. She started this um, really great thing called Foodography School, mm. which is a digital class on food photography. Um, I don't, they don't have video specific, but they have a lot of great stuff about food photography and she, her handles, um, Broma Bakery, but you can also look at on Instagram, Foodography School. And it is something that like, I highly recommend for all of your clients from like a food photography school. So everybody listening, client or not, check out (laughs) Foodography School ASAP because you all need help when it comes to (laughs) badass, delicious looking food content. Um, Yeah. Lena, what about yourself? How do, how do people follow you if, they, if, they, if they're listening and they're like, man, this, this chick sounds awesome. I want to know everything she's doing. How do they follow you? How do they stay in touch with you? What should they do? Yes, thank you. Um, you know, it's pretty simple. Just hit me up at Elena Besser on Instagram, on YouTube. I tweet five times a year if you want to follow me on Twitter. Okay. Um, and you can also catch me on Food Network cooking channel and food network kitchen. So food networks app. If you have, you can watch breakfast with Besser there as well. You could follow the lineup at the lineup dinner. Um, breakfast with Besser is a six episode series on the food network kitchen app. I also do food network kitchens live classes every week. So you can tune wow. in um, go grocery shopping in advance for all of the dishes and then make it live with me in real time and ask any questions. Um, the Food Network Kitchen app has over 80,000 recipes. You can watch full Food Network episodes, commercial free. And if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can get a free one-year subscription to the Food Network Kitchen app. It is like, wow. don't sleep on it. There are a lot. There's a lot of great stuff there. And um, I'm just trying to, you know, f- help more people know about it because a lot of people are like, what is this food network kitchen? I don't know. And let me tell you, it is a, it's, it's the place to be. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Well, uh, what we'll do on this podcast, by the way, and and on this YouTube that we'll create, we'll we'll put all your links below. So anyone who's listening or watching, you can, you can access it through there. Um, Elena, thank you so much for your time today. This has been incredible. Uh, Enjoy your time in LA. Uh, Let me know if you want any tips on restaurants in the area that you want to check out and um, we'll, we'll be in touch real soon. Thanks a lot. Sounds great. Thank you so much. It was really great meeting you and chatting with you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Alrighty. See ya.